Well, good morning, everybody. How's everybody doing? Everybody excited about the Grizzlies win? Yeah, unless you're on staff with the Grizzlies, and then you're like, oh. Um, no, we're all so excited. You see my colors? What do you think? Go Grizz. Just say it. Don't do very much, but go Grizz. Hey, um, if you are new today, special welcome to you. I'm Barrett, one of the pastors here, and we are so thankful that you are here with us today. We are excited uh, to continue in worship this morning, and we are beginning a new series today. Anybody excited? Say yeah. Rest of you, what are you, what are you doing? Um, we're all excited in uh, the book of Acts. If you've got your Bibles, and I hope you do, I encourage you to get them open to the book of Acts. I tell you what, something cool you could do too, you could go ahead and download our church app. You can find it, Island Community Church. Just type it in in the Google Store, Apple Store. You can get the app. There's a place there where you can even type sermon notes. Um, I know you have notes, you know, apps on your phone too probably. So find a way to, to start writing. Uh, find something that you can take notes this morning. And then let's get to the book of Acts together. And um, yeah, I'm excited to begin. Let me pray for us as we start this morning. Lord, we thank you so much for today. And uh, we just thank you, Lord, for this wonderful day that you've given us. Uh, You've set a day aside in our week every week uh, for this purpose, that we might just start our week in worship of you, remembering that our life is not defined by who we are, but who you are by what we can do, by by what you can do, by what we have done, by what you have done for us in giving your son, Jesus. Uh, It's not by our works, but by your performance for us, Lord, your perfect work on our behalf. Lord, uh, you said it's finished. It's not by our sin, but by your grace. And we just thank you, uh, Lord, that you have given us this day of worship, that we might come to you and just give you our hearts and our lives again and just be filled uh, by your spirit and enjoy you. And um, we just pray today that you would continue to speak to us, uh, meet us. Lord, we need you. I need you. I just pray for your presence. Most of all, Lord, I just want to meet with you this morning. I want to hear from you. Your Holy Spirit is here. And I thank you, Lord. Your word is alive. And I thank you, God. And we just, we just ask that you meet with us, Lord. Um, remind us of who you are and who we are made to be. And uh, we pray that you would receive much glory from our lives and from what you do in our hearts today. May we be open to you, God. You're speaking, and I pray that every heart would be open uh, to hear and to receive your word, and I pray that it would bear fruit in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we have just finished the awesome season of Easter. Anybody enjoy Easter? I'm telling you, last week was so fun. Um, If you missed it, you need to find it online somewhere. Hopefully the baptism videos will be available soon that you can see them. But man, nothing better than an Easter season, I think, um, which is just all about God and what he and his love and his power has done for us in Christ. And I'm just so thankful for the Easter season that we had together. And I thought last week was just the perfect culmination as we got to see life after life after life that has been changed because of the power and grace of Jesus. And I don't know any better way to celebrate than what we did last week. But the reality is, in my heart was, I want to take the next few weeks, and the next six weeks actually, so this is not going to be a full comprehensive study of the book of Acts. This is going to be an intentional study. We're going to be looking at select passages. But I want to take the next six weeks to talk about what we've called this series, which is Resurrection Effect. Because the reality is that the Easter season is important. We need a season to, to, to sit and to think and to remember and just to, 
to realize that his grace is sufficient for us, that everything that Christ is and all that he has done is sufficient for us. It was all about what Christ has done for us and, and putting ourselves in a position to receive that. But the reality is it doesn't just stop with his death and resurrection, but that's really the, the, the beginning of our life. And it continues. And the book of Acts is really a continuation. If you just look in the very first verse or first two verses of Acts chapter 1, Luke, who writes this book of Acts, um, he's the same Luke that wrote the gospel of Luke. So if you're curious about this, um, it's the same Luke. He's a companion of, of Paul, his personal physician. He's historian. He's also, you know, of course, being a physician, he's a doctor. And uh, he, he continues to write to Theophilus, which is probably a well-known uh, Roman official. We don't know exactly who he is, but someone well-known who is obviously either as a believer or someone who's curious about believing, inquiring about who Jesus is. And Luke writes to him comprehensively about the work of Jesus. But here in verse 1, he says, In the first book, O Theophilus, I've dealt with all that Jesus, what's that word? Began to do and teach. You're like, wait a second. I thought Luke was the whole thing about Jesus. I mean, the gospel of Luke, right? Doesn't it just, isn't that a comprehensive book? No, he says, that's just what Jesus, what? Began to do and teach until the day that he was taken up after he'd given commands to the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. So the book of Acts is going to be a continuation of a study of the person of Jesus and the work of Jesus, but that work being primarily through the Holy Spirit who Jesus promised in John chapter 14 that he would give after he was raised, he would give the Holy Spirit as a helper, as one who would, it would Jesus' very presence with us, his people, his church, his redeemed ones. And the book of Acts is, think about it as like a gospel part two, <laughs> because it, it is a showcase of all of the continued work of Jesus in his person and in his power. Um, he continues to work through the life of the church by the power and presence of his Holy Spirit. That's really what Acts is, is here to showcase. And so what we see is how important it is for us to realize that what we just talked about in Easter of what Christ has done for us in his life, for our righteousness, his death, for the forgiveness of our sins, his burial to put our sins away, to die the death that we deserve, but then his triumphant resurrection from the grave to provide power over all. That this, what we just talked about in Easter, doesn't just stop with like, well, that's so cool. What a great history. But no, it continues forward and has a radical impact in our lives as Christians, as Christ followers, and in the life of our church. Does that make sense? And you've got to ask yourself, so I'm asking you now, if you had to tell me right now, answer the question, what effect does the resurrection of Jesus, the reality that he's raised from the day, grave, what effect does that have on your life today? How are you different this morning because Jesus is risen from the dead than you would have been if he had never risen from the dead? You see? Is there a practical effect in your life from Jesus' resurrection from the grave. And that's what I want to look at. There is, and there is, okay? But I want to look at this together to, sh- to, to kind of journey and examine how is it 
that the resurrection of Christ radically, radically changes us. Is that cool? Everybody cool with that? So this morning, I want to start with the first way. There's going to be six of these as we go through uh, the end of May in this series. And the first one this morning is vision. The first way that the resurrection has a radical impact in your life is that now you become a person of vision if you are in Christ. You're a person of vision. The main point this morning is this, the resurrection of Jesus, the resurrection of Jesus gives your life purpose. I want to look at Acts chapter 1. Let's read together through uh, verse 11, and then we're going to walk through this together. But vision is what we're going to be talking about this morning. In the first book, O Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day when he was taken up, after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. He presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you You will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they had come together, they asked him, "Uh, Lord, will, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? And he said to them, It is not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And when he said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up. And a cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing in heaven, as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, Men of Galilee, Why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus, who was taken up from you into heaven, will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. This is God's word. So this morning, I'm I'm here to proclaim to you. I'm not asking you, really. I'm telling you that the resurrection of Jesus has a radical, transformative impact in our lives and in all of history. It is radical. And this morning, what I want to talk to you about is how the resurrection of Christ gives you and me vision. Vision. So our main point again, if you haven't written it down already, I repeat things that are important, okay? So you you should be getting it by now. The main point this morning is the resurrection of Jesus gives our lives purpose. Sorry, guys, the font didn't quite transfer, and so it may look funny at times, but it is going to be okay. The resurrection of Jesus gives our lives purpose, okay? Gives our lives purpose. We now get to wake up every day with purpose. You get to wake up and think about something more than just, what's the next rerun I can watch on Netflix? 
or what's the next, you know, how can I get through one more day before vacation or for the weekend? We now are defined as, as, the, as followers of Christ. We are now defined as a visionary people. We got a vision and a purpose for our life that is much bigger than ourselves or what's on TV today or what my boss is going to ask me to do or what do I need to do to take care of my family or my child. Now, all those things can be important and can be fun, but there is a now an overarching purpose that transcends upon our life because of the resurrection of Jesus. We get a vision. There's five parts that I want to talk to you about about the passage today, so I hope you just want to Maybe you could just write down these five things. But there's five things that I see in this passage that I really believe that we can learn from. All of them relate to the life of purpose that Jesus brings into our life because he's risen from the dead. First thing I want to mention to you this morning is this, that Jesus gives us a heart-gripping confidence. A heart-gripping confidence. They're all going to be formatted in similar ways, so just enjoy. (laughs) Heart-gripping confidence. It says here in the first verses of Acts. In the first book of Theophilus, I've dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day that he was taken up. After he had given commands to the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. And then in verse 3, look at this. What does it say? He presented himself. What? Alive to them. When? After his suffering. How? By many proofs. Appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. I just want to tell you this you cannot be an authentic instrument. <laughs> in the hands of God, in the hands of Christ. You cannot be an effective follower of Jesus if you do not, from the bottom of your heart, believe that he is alive. Jesus calls us. He wants us. He asks us to have a heart gripping. And that's why I use the adjective there, okay? There can be some kinds of confidence, but you know the kinds of things that you're like, You just know that you know that you know, right? Like if I told you I'm not standing here right now, you'd be like, no, dude, you really are, right? I mean, there are some things that you're just like, that's real, and I'm that will never, ever, ever not be real. I am sure that this thing is real. Heart-gripping confidence. You cannot be an authentic, effective follower of Jesus with fruitfulness of life without a heart gripping confidence. I mean, I know that I know that I know that Jesus is not dead. He actually rose from the grave and he is alive today. I know that I know that I know it. This is not some fairy tale. This is not some just bit of history. This is the the real deal. He is Alive, You see? Now, Jesus knew this about the disciples. I mean, he knew this. Um, until the disciples were profoundly persuaded 
that Jesus had broken the power of death and paid the price of sin. And he was really alive in an indestructible life and could never be stopped until they really, really, really had a profound persuasion of this. They weren't going to be effective in what he was calling them to. But the awesome thing about what Jesus does in his resurrection is he profoundly persuades us of this. The disciples were there. I mean, think, I just, ooh, that was weird. I just can't even imagine um, what they would have gone through in those days between the time that he died and the time that he rose again. Can you, I mean, can you just imagine that? Here Jesus was, they'd given everything to follow him. They'd been taught by him. He had proclaimed that he was the son of God, that he had power. He proclaimed that he was able to forgive sin. He proclaimed that he was going to bring the new kingdom, you know, uh, that he was the Messiah to restore the rightful reign of God in hearts and in the world. But then they see him crucified. I mean, just completely, like we talked about in these last weeks, the whole narrative of what they went through. Taken, arrested, tortured, put on the cross, hung, put to death, and then buried. I mean, can you just imagine those days of what does this mean? I mean, you would have had, you, you know that they would have had to question, was he really the Messiah? Was everything that he said true? Does he, did he really forgive our sins? Was he really God in the flesh? Does he really have power? I mean, even though they knew so much, there were still so many questions in that time period between the time that he died and the time that they saw him risen from the dead. And I'm telling you this because you look at how astonished they are if they were, that he was raised, but if he had not been raised from the dead, those questions would still linger today. You would sit there still wondering, is what Jesus said true? Is he really the Messiah? Is he really the Son of God? Does he really have all power? Can he really change my heart? But friends, one of the amazing beauties of the resurrection of Christ is that he rose from the dead and he showed up to powerfully persuade his disciples and all of us in doing that for them. Spending time with them, giving them proof after proof after proof. One of the beauties of the resurrection is this, that it proves to us we don't have to ask those questions anymore. We can know that we know that we know everything that he said is true. When he claimed to be the son of God, he really is the son of God. It was proven by the fact that a dead person who they saw suffer and crucified, put into a grave, came back to life. And not just any kind of life, to a newness of life that had never been seen before in the world. He showed up. It proves that he does have power. Jesus has power to change your heart. He has power to change your life. He has power. 
power to defeat the evil one, to forgive sin, to bring about a newness of life that will never, ever, ever end, and to fully restore with his triumphant power the fullness of the kingdom of God. This is why the resurrection, sometimes we talk about the death of Christ so much and we don't, need, we don't talk enough about the resurrection of Christ. See, the resurrection of Christ is the end of the story. If the death of Christ is the end of the story, like the Jehovah's Witnesses here in town and around our country, they all celebrate the death of Christ, but they don't want to talk about Easter Sunday. Why? Easter Sunday's the best part. I mean, the death of Christ is awesome, but if all he did was die but not rise again, friends, what do we have But now, because he's risen again, our confidence is not in vain. Because we know that we know that we know he is the Messiah, the Son of God, the forgiver of sins, the one who can change your heart and your life, and he will restore the promise of God, the rightly reign of God into this world. Praise Jesus. See? Heart-gripping confidence. That's why the resurrection is so cool. We need to talk about, you don't share the gospel if you don't share the resurrection. If you just stop at death and you don't share the resurrection, you haven't shared the fullness of the gospel. See, the end of the story is newness of life. (laughs) It's good, right? We don't just need forgiveness of sins. We need newness of life. So, gosh, I was thinking, how do I, um, how do I, how do we get, how do we feel the impact of this, um, I looked up this week top 10 greatest discoveries of all time. Top 10 greatest discoveries of all time. You want to know what they are? Gunpowder. That one sucks. I don't like that discovery. Anatomy. Amazing discovery. We don't think about it. Changed everything, right? You who are doctors and paid to do all that stuff now, be grateful somebody at one time discovered anatomy. Electricity. Let there be light. That's cool. That's a cool moment. Oxygen. I was like, how does that get discovered? But, I mean, didn't we breathe that from the start? I think we, it was always there. These things were there. We just, just I, get, I get it. I get it. I get it. It takes me a little bit, but I'm, oxygen. It's a pretty big deal. Photosynthesis. Penicillin. Yeah, for, yes, for penicillin. What a cool that's a great one. You don't realize, though, how foundational the discovery of penicillin really was. Huge, transformative. Vaccinations. I mean, that changes things, changes things. I'm getting to the higher ones now, okay? That the earth is round. Whoa, big deal. We can travel, go places. Like, you don't have to fall off when you go to the edge of the ocean. Cool. The wheel. Anybody drive to church today? Okay. That's a good one. And fire. That was the number one. Think about how transformational all of these things are. If it weren't for these things, so much in our life today wouldn't be. As hugely significant as we can think the discovery of oxygen is, or penicillin is, or fire is, or wheel is. Even more significant is the discovery that Jesus Christ is no longer in the grave and this world has yet to find him. He is alive. And he is still alive today. 
even more significant than any of the world's greatest discoveries is, I couldn't believe the resurrection of Jesus wasn't number one. Secular person wrote this, obviously. The resurrection of Jesus should be number one. Therefore, I gave you a list of 11 because the greatest discovery of all time, the greatest uh, world event of all time is the resurrection of Jesus because it completely rewrites the end of the story. Because now, by the resurrection, life is defined by what is possible with God. Life is defined, uh, we don't any longer live in hopelessness, friends. We live in hope. We no longer live in brokenness. We live in a time of healing. No longer in a time of sin, but in a time of grace. No longer in a time of old things, but in a time of new things. The resurrection changes everything. And what we've got to get, if we want to have a vision and become a faithful and effective follower of Jesus, friends, we need a heart-gripping confidence that he is alive. Okay? heart-gripping confidence. And that's why Jesus showed up again and again so that they might have it. Number two, not just a heart-gripping confidence, but we need a spirit-led commission. We need a spirit-led commission. Look back at your scripture. He presented themselves, verse three, alive to them after his sufferings by many proofs. Whoa, whoa. He's alive. They knew it. They knew it from the bottom of their heart, heart gripping confidence. He appeared 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the father, which he said, you heard from me for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with what? The Holy Spirit. We need something more than a water baptism. We need a baptism of the Holy Spirit. We'll talk about a second. Not many days from now. So when they come together, they asked him, Lord, will, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? And he said, it's not for you to know the times or seasons the Father is fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And what's going to happen when the Holy Spirit comes upon them? What does it say here? You will be my... More, I need more than a couple of people to answer. You'll be my what? Witnesses. Where? Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to where? To the ends of the earth. We need not just a heart-gripping confidence, but what follows our heart-gripping confidence that he is alive is a spirit-led commission. It comes from deep in our heart, a conviction that is really a commissioning. It's a commissioning. He says, uh, what's going to happen to you? It's going to happen to everybody after you. Is I'm about to fulfill the promise that I've made to you of the giving of the Holy Spirit of God, the presence of God in your heart. That's amazing. The giving of the Holy Spirit is a wonderful gift to the world for Jesus no longer is defined by one physical place, but he is everywhere where a person's heart is fully, completely surrendered to him. His presence in our lives, the gift of the person of the Holy Spirit, God with us. He says, I'm about to give you what I have promised to give you, the Holy Spirit. And where you have been baptized by water, you are about to be baptized by the Holy Spirit. And every person who's a Christian, every person who is a follower of Jesus, the minute you put your faith in Christ, you are made new. You are transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit. The same power 
that could raise a dead man, Jesus Christ, back to life. What kind of power does that take, friends? That is God miracle kind of power. Would you agree? The same, the very same spirit of God that raised Jesus from the grave is the same spirit that has the power now to change your dead heart and make it new again. The Holy Spirit of God can baptize us, can take us from death and bring us to life. And friends, what we need is not man-made kind of decisions and conversions. What we need is God to change us from the inside out. That's what makes a Christian a Christian. It's not somebody who tries hard by doing a lot of things for Jesus. It's somebody who says, I can't do it. I need Jesus to do it for me. I have no power of my own, but he has the power. And I yield myself completely to him. And I want to be changed by the very power that rose Jesus from the grave. I want that power to make me new. And he will make you new. He makes us new. And when he makes us new, he, he gives us a purpose. He doesn't just say, okay, now just wait till it comes again, you know? The disciples say, oh, okay, um, so Lord, are you going to at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? What do they mean by that? He's like, they're basically saying, so what's next? So you're going to make us new and is this the end? <laughs> like, is this it? Are you just going to bring out the fullness of the kingdom of God now? And he says, not for you to know what time the fullness of the kingdom of God is going to be brought back to the earth. There is going to come a time, but it's not for you to know those times and seasons. But here's what I do want you to know. Here's what I do want you to know. You're going to receive the power that the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And this power is going to be a commissioning power. This power is going to be a power that is going to set you apart for a specific purpose. And what is that purpose? That you might live your life with a new kind of passion. That your leading passion would now be not for what I can do for myself, but for what I can do to make Jesus great in our world. We say here at ICC, our vision statement, we are being transformed by Jesus to impact our world. Both, everything we're talking about right now is right there in our vision statement. We are people who want to be changed by the Holy Spirit's power so that we can live a purpose of impact for Christ in our world. Y'all get that, right? That is the commissioning. From the beginning of creation, the Spirit of God, if you want to know about the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit is zealous for Christ. The Holy Spirit wants the world to know Jesus. I'm so thankful for the gift of the Holy Spirit in my life, aren't you? and the gift of the Holy Spirit in our world. From the very beginning of creation, the Spirit of God has been at work with a singular purpose, and that is that the world might know the goodness and grace of God in Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit has a passion, and the passion of the Holy Spirit is that more and more and more people might be in relationship with Jesus. God in his great love is pursuing our world people just like you and just like me by the spirit of God God and his love is pursuing people that we might know him it's how he created us it's what he wanted from the beginning the whole world you and me were meant to live in relationship with God and things went terribly wrong because of our choice to turn away but because of Christ things can be set right again by his forgiveness of sins and the power that he has to bring us back to God you see 
Now, the Spirit of God is all a part of this because the Spirit of God is pursuing people all around the world that they might know the restoration and renewal of Jesus Christ. Isn't that good? Don't we have a great God? We do. We do. It's not really a question. I'm telling you. We do. We have a great, we have a great God. This is the, the zeal of the Holy Spirit. I mean, this is what we talk about over and over with missions. I hope this psalm by now is in your heart, Psalm 67. Let the peoples praise you, O oh God. Let all the peoples praise you. Let the nations sing and shout for joy. Who wrote that? The Holy Spirit through a man given to us in the Bible. It's the Spirit's passion. Let the peoples praise you, O oh God. Let the peoples praise you. This Holy Spirit is zealous for this. And the cool thing is that now because Christ is raised from the dead and his power is available to make us new in the Holy Spirit, guess what happens to us? When he makes us new, he puts his passion in our hearts and his passion becomes our passion. We are transformed. And part of our transformation is we get to live a life of purpose. It's bigger than Netflix. It's bigger than going to work. It's bigger than even doing cool things like healing kids of cancer or raising a family. The ultimate purpose of all things is to make much of the goodness and grace of God. And apart from the Holy Spirit's power in our life that was made available by the resurrection of Christ from the dead, we don't get to be a part of that. But because of Jesus rose from the dead and because his power is available now in the Holy Spirit and his spirit's given out, we get to reconnect with the original purpose of our life. You're made for this. Isn't that cool? You are made for this. This is the original purpose of your life is to make much of God. Like a mirror shines back the radiance of the sun. If you hold it up, we are meant to shine back the radiance of Christ to the world. The Holy Spirit brings commissioning into our life that we would be, that we would be witnesses. What is the word witness? It's a word that you would use in court. It just means you get to tell what happened. Pretty cool. You get to tell what Jesus has done. You get to be a part of making much of him. And uh, one of the things that you need to know is that Jesus, so sometimes people get confused about the purpose of our life because they get confused about the way God's designed salvation to come to the world. The way God's designed salvation to come to the world is through his church. What it means is there is no person in the world who will become a Christian who will be made new by Jesus apart from someone who is already a Christian telling that person about Jesus. It is the way that God has designed it. We are an instrumental part of God's design to bring the restoration of his glory in the world, which is really cool because he's saying, I want you to be a part of this. I want you to share my joy and share my passion and get to work with me. This is how people come to know Christ. It's because we are willing to say, God, would you, would you commission me with your purpose? Would you, would you allow me to share your passion? Would, I, would, it, would, you, would you change my heart such that I could live for the bigger things that you're about in this world? Would you give me a passion for the things that you're passionate about? And guess what? Because of the resurrection, your life gets to count again. <laughs> That's cool, right? I, I think it's cooler than you do, I think. 
I want smiles and excitement. All right, here we go. So we got a heart grip and confidence. Do you have a heart grip and confidence? We got a spirit-led commission. Do you have a spirit-led commission? Now, third, here's how it translates. And, and, and I've already been exhibiting this in some way. <laughs> but third, we get this. And we're waiting. An all-consuming passion. We get an all-consuming passion. For friends, it's not enough to know just that the Holy Spirit has this passion and wants this for us, but we've got to embrace it as our own. An all-consuming passion. That's the third part of being a person who is faithful and effective follower of Jesus, a person who has allowed the resurrection to infect you in every way and transform you. I'll tell you one of the ways the resurrection changes you is it gives you an all-consuming passion. Do you know... um, what is the church? If you had to ask you, how you define the church is really tells you a lot about what you think about the church. But you know, the church was always meant to be built upon a movement. It's a movement. The church, the way you could understand the church is this, that the church is a movement built upon conviction. A movement built upon conviction. The way that the church has always been understood is a, a, an assembly of people who are powerfully persuaded that Jesus is the Son of God, that he did die to forgive sin, that he rose to provide newness of life, that he is the rightful Lord, that he commands everyone everywhere to repent of their waywardness from the living God and he invites them to come home back to relationship with God. It's a conviction. The word for church is uh, ekklesia in Greek, okay? And ekklesia means an assembly of called out ones. It just means uh, to gather together a people who have been called out, Okay? So, again, it goes back to understanding this idea about the church being of movement. The church is not a building. The church is not a set of programs. The church is a group of people, and the church is a powerful force of God in this world. That's the best way to understand the church, who've been called out by a shared conviction, and another way that we could say it here is a church is a movement that's built upon this mission. It's built around a mission. That's, that's the way to understand uh, the church. We are an assembly of people called out around the reality of Christ. The danger of the church in every single age is to stop being a movement and instead become a ministry or even worse, an institution, or even worse, a monument, as Warren Wiersbe talks about. When we stop to see ourselves as a movement of God in the world, we are in great danger. For we do not just serve what we are about here at ICC. We are called out by God around the shared belief and conviction of Christ defined by his resurrection power, and we see ourselves by what he's called us to do in the world. You get it? That's that's the reality. Now, think about, so we're talking about all-consuming passion. Think about the disciples. What happened in the few days before Jesus came back and met them? 
as a resurrected son of God. What, what, what did, when Jesus came back from the dead, where did he find the disciples? Y'all remember? What were they doing? They went back to fishing, right? Y'all remember that? They had, you know, just kind of, they're just kind of in this place of defeat, of nothingness, of, and they would have been watching Netflix had they been alive today. That's this, that's the equivalent. Uh, just going to go back to my normal job, just kind of hang out on the couch and, uh, yeah, just hope these few hours go by until I fall asleep, you know. <laughs> they had just gone back to this kind of nothingness, this purposelessness, this life that was more defined by who they used to be rather than who Christ told them they could be. More defined by their sin than by his grace, their defeat rather than his power. See, they had shrinked back. But what happened when Jesus showed up? See, a lot of people were crucified. Y'all know this, right? What happens to where this guy, Jesus, who's crucified, how does he become such a famous person? What changed from the fisher boats to suddenly standing up in Acts chapter 2, 3, 4, and preaching to thousands of people with great power and passion? What, what changed? The, same, the Peter... That shrinking back in the boat doesn't look like the same Peter that's preaching in Acts chapter 2, does it? Two different Peters. Would y'all agree? What changed? What happened between those two glimpses of Peter's life? What happened? The resurrection of Jesus. Okay, this is not a, this is not a hard answer. We're calling the series Resurrection Effect, okay? The resurrection happened and the giving of the Holy Spirit, Right? And it's not just Peter, but it's all of them. Suddenly, these guys who were shrinking around, just passing time, defeated, doing nothing, hanging out, going back to the old way of life, suddenly, they become fireballs in the world. White hot for Jesus. They are so excited about Jesus. They forfeit everything. They lose their jobs. They lose their money. They leave behind family and inheritance. For decades, they are chased around by Roman authorities. They are persecuted and beaten, and they will not stop talking about Jesus. All of them, but one, are killed because of this, and they still won't deny it. Friends, this is a radical change. Would you agree? James, who said, ain't no way my brother is a son of God. I grew up with a kid. Suddenly goes, you are my Lord. He recognized Jesus is Savior and Lord. What's it take for you to realize that your sibling is God? Come on. I know mine. Well, I love you, Babs, but we, I mean, what does it take? I'll tell you what it takes, the resurrection of Jesus. You want to know how a person's life gets set on fire with passion? You meet the living Christ. And you realize that he's the real deal. And all of them, I mean, just think about Paul converting. He was against Christ, against Christ, persecuting Christians, hating Jesus. And then suddenly he converts to live for Jesus. What does it take? He meets the resurrected Lord. 
You want to know what happens to a person who truly knows the resurrected Lord Jesus? They get set on fire with an all-consuming passion. And I'll tell you this. I know passions come and sometimes go, but listen, friends. If you really are walking with Jesus, I really believe that you will be a person who's passionate about him and making much of him. We need Holy Spirit to show us his passion and to put his commission upon our lives to make us new. But when that happens, we need to embrace. We need to make a choice to say, God, I'm going to live with passion. Not just with like, oh, okay, he's, that's cool, he's alive. No, this changes everything. I want to live with passion, with passion for him. Everything changed about their lives and everything's changed about ours. Um, they saw Jesus as so beautiful and glorious that he was worth giving away their whole lives. And they believed from the bottom of their heart. I mean, they, they saw him face to face, the risen Lord. And what they realized is like, you're the best. There's no one like you. You are God. You deserve everyone to, be, to praise you. You deserve all glory and honor. You really can forgive me and make me new and make me right with God. And you really are about restoring this world to where God has the rightful place in hearts and lives. I want to live for you. I want to live to make much of you. You are worth everything to me. You see, what motivated, think about what motivated the disciples. It was not power. Friends, they lost everything, and it was not privilege. It was not prestige. They were hated in the world. What motivated the disciples was an authentic passion for Jesus Christ, an authentic passion for his person. And I wonder, do we have not just the heart grip and confidence or the spirit-led commission, but do we have an all-consuming passion pray that you would want that and ask God for that. And I wonder if maybe you don't. Here's what I would encourage you to do is get to know his person. Because passion comes from knowing Jesus. And what I really believe is that if you get to know Jesus, you'll become more passionate. Your passion is directly proportionate to your knowledge of his person. So if you want more passion, get to know his person. Fourth, heart gripping confidence, spirit led commission, all consuming passion. Fourth, a globally minded aim. One of the things the resurrection of Jesus does, the resurrection gives us confidence, the resurrection commissions us with a purpose, the resurrection consumes us with passion, and the resurrection sets our eyes on something that looks like the nations, the world. For in verse 8, what does he say? You will be my witnesses where? Jerusalem, and all Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. All right. We get so familiar with that. What does that mean, though? He's defining the scope for us of where the resurrection should lead us. The resurrection should lead us to confidence, to commissioning, to passion. But then where does that passion take us? What's the scope of the passion? The ends of the earth. So it gives us, the resurrection gives us a globally minded aim. No longer do we 
just live for ourselves, but we live understanding that he's called us and set us apart to be a witness. That starts at home. That's your Jerusalem. Your primary witness is to the people that you live around every day. Somebody said once, the light that shines the farthest shines the brightest at home. The light that shines the farthest shines the brightest at home. Jerusalem is our brightest light. Man, we want to live with passion for Jesus here in Memphis. If you work at Le Bonheur, if you're a student, if you have neighbors, if you have family, friends, brothers, sisters, moms, dads, children, if you have roommates, those people that are around you every day, you are to be a witness for them. That's what God calls you to. But it's just, it's more than that too. We get to live with a broader scope. It's not just our Jerusalem, but it's our Judea. The larger network. And then Samaria, the even larger network. And then the ends of the earth. And each time you're crossing different uh, barriers. He's saying it's not just about you and your family, but it's about your neighborhood. And it's not just about your people in your neighborhood or who are like you. If you're white, other whites. If you're rich, other rich. If you're poor, other poor. If you're educated, other educated. But I'm saying it's not just about your citizenship, whether you're American, other Americans. You've got to think bigger than this. Jesus is saying, I'm about to do something in you that's going to, to be globally minded in scale. Because the Spirit of Christ has a passion to reach everyone, everywhere with the good news of his restoring power and grace. Amen? It's what he wants. So you got to think, I'm going to go to anybody. I want to live in such a way that we're going to get my family, but also my neighborhood and my state, my city, my state, my country, but also to all places of the world. And I love this because this this passion has consumed uh, our church. And that is, you know, we don't take... We don't give to missions to support people around our city just because that's a cool thing for us to do. Y'all realize that? So every time you give to the church, part of your giving goes to support people who are in our city that are working in refugee communities, for instance. People who are completely different than us, have almost nothing, don't speak our language. Every time you give, we get money to people who are in places in the world that there's no church. There's no knowledge of Jesus whatsoever. And there's, we're giving money toward people like that. Now, we don't do that just because it's cool. I mean, I enjoy saying 25% of every dollar we give goes to that kind of stuff. That's cool. But friends, I do not enjoy saying that because I want to feel proud of that. In other words, it makes us look good. I enjoy saying that because we, this year, are giving over $100,000 to fuel a passion for Christ among people who have never heard of Christ. And what happens when we give is lives change in other parts of the world. That's what makes me happy about that. Does that make you happy? Some of us get more excited about giving if we think about the impact of it. We have a consuming passion to, like we take trips. Like like a few weeks, we got people going to Guatemala. And then the next month, we got people going to Africa. And then the next month, people going to Colombia. And the next month, people going to Serbia. And the next month, people going, I mean, people going all the time. Why do we do this? Cool pictures on Facebook, lots of likes. Look at you. You're a good person. You know, you're doing all this. This is cool, man. You're cool. Check countries off the list. Go sightseeing. No. 
what do our teams do? It's actually not very fun at all, except it's so fun because it's the most happy of all things. But not fun. We don't take vacations. In fact, people complain sometimes that we work too much. We go because there are people who will not hear about Jesus Christ if we do not go. We go so that we might see the gospel penetrate into areas of lostness. We might see new churches started so that people, little children, women, men, families, communities, nations might have a chance to know of the power, the same resurrection power that has changed our life can change their life too. We don't want to keep the gospel to ourselves. We want it to go as far as earthly possible. So we keep our eyes set on the big things that Jesus calls us to because in every way we want to be the most effective we can be to make an impact on all of our world for Jesus Christ. We give everything for that strategic purpose. That's why we're simple here at home so we could do more overseas. Friends, if we didn't spend the $100,000 on missions, we could do more for ourselves here. We don't want to do more for ourselves here. We try to be simple here so that we can be strategic there because our lives are no longer about what's good for us, but we want to reach the world for Jesus. Amen? You see, this is what we're about. We want to see more churches started in Memphis, more churches started in Tennessee, more churches started in Seattle and New York and Vermont, where one of my buddies from college is. We want to see churches start everywhere, not just for the sake of starting institutions. We want to see a movement go forward into the world that is shining brightly the glory of Jesus so that all might know him. We got a globally minded aim. And last, last, fifth, we have a hope-filled expectancy. Ooh, this is good. I like teaching. It's fun. God's word is so, so good. Y'all know that? It's awesome. Verse 9. When he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up. He was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking from heaven, looking into heaven? This Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven, he will come in the same way as he went. As he went, you saw him go into heaven. We have a hope-filled expectancy. All right? What does that mean? As soon as he gives the commission, he's like, peace out. I mean, can you imagine being there? He like says to them, Holy Spirit's gonna come upon you and be my witnesses in all the world, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, all these people you haven't ever associated with, aren't familiar with, you're gonna go and you're gonna be witnesses to them. My power's gonna come upon you for this purpose. You're gonna make much of me in all the world. Peace out. He just rises. He just goes. <laughs> and they're just like, whoa, wait, wait, wait. Gee, whoa, whoa, whoa. And he's gone. He's gone. He just lifts into the air. He's still alive, but I mean, imagine they're looking around each other like, did that just happen? What, Jesus? Like, could you say it again? Because I just want to make sure. Um, But Jesus comforts them and he sends messengers and he says, you know what? Uh, Take heart. Don't don't be worried. Don't. Why are you standing there looking stupid at the sky, (laughs) gazing into heaven? Why? Okay. Here's what you need to know. Jesus has gone on, and he's, gone, he's, he's alive, okay? But he's going to come back again. 
In the same way you saw him go up, you're going to see him again. Okay? So this is not the end here. This is the beginning of something great. And all that he said was true, you know? Matthew 28, he, they, would, and they did remember because they wrote it down in the Gospels, the, the Great Commission. You, you, you're going to go and make disciples among all nations. Lo, I'm with you always. I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. They knew the Holy Spirit about to be given to them. And they, you'll see them a few verses later just praying, asking for the Holy Spirit, taking comfort in his presence. See, there's hope because we've not been abandoned, friends. He is with us. He is with us. And there's not just hope, but there's expectancy because we are longing and yearning and working for the day that he will come again. And we see him come. We see him come as lives are changed, like the four who testified last week. That is Jesus coming, bringing his kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. His kingdom is now at root in the hearts of men. We see his kingdom coming, but there is coming a day that he will return, friends. He will come back. And in the same way he went, he will come again. And for all who are in Christ, that's going to be a glorious day. He will judge and he will restore the world as it was originally intended it to be. We will hear him say, behold, I make all things new. What a great day. So as we, as we live with this vision and purpose, we, we got our heads up. Because life is not defined by how we feel every day or what's going on with our circumstances or the sin that entangles us. Our life is defined by Jesus, his grace toward us, his promise to forgive us by his blood that was shed for us, his power that is at work for all who have trusted in him. By the resurrection of Christ, there is power. There is hope, more hope, more hope for every tomorrow. Everything he's making new renewing us on the inside day by day. See, we live life now with hope, our heads up, and the assurance of his promise and power that is at work into the world until we see him again. Isn't that good? See, now, so I've said all this to say, and um, you can come. Be like, I'm done. You can come. We, uh, we specialize in smooth transitions. Aren't y'all thankful for our worship team? They are. They're about to lead us back in a time of worship. They're going to set the mood here. So I'm supposed to say some really important, very emotional sounding things, okay? Um, see, isn't that nice? Everything I say when that starts playing is just infinitely better. Um, you should do that the whole sermon. That'd be awesome. I said all this to say today, friends. Um, Remember I asked you the question at the beginning, how does the resurrection, the fact that Jesus is alive today, he rose from the dead. What difference does that make in your life? And you gotta ask yourself that question. If Jesus had not risen from your dead, would your life be any different? If not, then do you know Jesus? Are you missing out on what he came to do? See, our life is not defined by our power anymore. It's defined by his power. It's not defined by the things that we say are important, but the things that he says are important. 
not defined by the vision for our life that we make for ourselves. By the resurrection of Jesus, he has given us a new vision and purpose for life. The resurrection of Jesus gives our life purpose. Did y'all know that? Because of his resurrection, we can have a heart-gripping confidence. He is who he says he is. He can do what he says he can do. It changes the end of the story to be all about his grace, his glory, his power that is at work in all who believe. Heart-gripping confidence. Because of his resurrection, we have a commissioning by the Holy Spirit. He has made us new, and he has set us apart for a particular work, to be a witness for Jesus, to make much of him. We are to receive that commission with an all-consuming passion for Jesus Christ. Living with passion daily. Thinking not what's best for me, but how can I make much of him? We are to think globally about what that looks like for us. How can I make the most of all that God's given me? How can I be the most strategic with the gifts, the skills, the resources, the money that he has entrusted to me that I might steward it well for the sake of all the nations that I know? We are to be a people of hope-filled expectation. Living with hope, eagerly, Trusting his presence that is with us, his promises that are true, and his coming again. Looking forward to that day. Do you have purpose and vision for life? I'll just give you a little bit to pray. And just to talk to God about the things that he's spoken to you this morning. If any of those things you desire, let me tell you, that's why I rose from the grave. This is the effect. These are the possibilities of what Jesus has done and still can do for you. So if you're looking today for confidence or if you're looking today for commissioning purpose, looking today for passion, looking today for scope that's bigger than yourself, looking today for an expectation and hope, call out to Jesus. He loves you. 